Welcome to Brainstorium. I'm Anna Tissard, award-winning dream punk and deeply weird fantasy author. And yes, that's me and my fiction that's deeply weird. Explore and imagine with me the most unexpected story ideas using the surrealist word game of Exquisite Corpse. Find out more and join in at anatizard.com. This is a storytelling challenge unlike anything you've tried before. Hello, imaginative people. I'm Anna Tissard, and this is episode 44 of Brainstorium. It's also the Christmas special. When this goes out, it will be Christmas Eve Eve, the 23rd of December. And yes, I will annoy you with these bells from time to time. (laughs) I can't help myself. Now, to make this episode special, because I, I can't exactly predict the words that are going to come out of the Socks of Destiny randomly. So I have to find another way to make this Christmassy alongside the bells. Um, today, I will give you details of how you can download a free newly developed game sheet and instructions sheet for playing Exquisite Corpse at home with friends and family over the Christmas holidays. Uh, Because, of course, the original game is played in person by writing on long slips of paper and passing them around in a circle. The way I play it on the show using the Socks of Destiny is really a workaround so that I can play it solo, mixing up words which people have sent me at different times through my website rather than live and in person. You think the game on this show is funny sometimes try playing it in person seriously i have never laughed so much in my life but today i will play three rounds of the game right here right now using nothing but your words pure imagination and the pause button another kind of magic to generate story ideas from the results that i get i hope to entertain you make you laugh and even make you go ooh. But before I bring forth the Socks of Destiny, I have news of a very special offer on Kindle that is happening on the 1st of January, 2024, if you want to gorge yourself on fantasy books. So listen on. Right, so on the 1st of January 2024, for one day only, there is a multi-book offer on fantasybookdragons.com. And yes, you do need to get a pen or just flip out your phone and make a note of that. fantasybookdragons.com. And perhaps set an alarm for yourself on the 1st of January, not too early not too early that day. It is the first day of the year after all. So my third book, Portals and Immortals, a collection of short stories all inspired by games played on this very show, uh, will be free on Kindle for 24 hours precisely at fantasybookdragons.com on the 1st of January 2024, alongside a huge, huge range of other fantasy books. 
There's epic fantasy, paranormal, fairy tale retellings, uh, dark fantasy, gothic, mystery, urban fantasy, you name it, it's there. And it's called the Stuff Your Kindle with Fantasy promotion. (laughs) And you've got to be quick. Do bear in mind that the 24-hour period is on EST time. So if, like me, you're not based in Canada or the US, allow for a bit of a chunky time difference. So just just check that out. Um, So if I go on there, what am I talking about? When I go on there, I'm not missing this. There are so many books to browse and download. Being in the UK, I will probably wait until lunchtime because morning in EST time is early afternoon in the UK. So just bear in mind that slight time difference if if you're elsewhere in the world, which many of us are. Um, And if you're listening to this show in the future, apologies, future people, if you've missed this offer as it's for one day. But future and present tense listeners do keep an eye on fantasy uh, sorry, fantasybookdragons.com because this is what they do. They do tons of book promotions. So you can load up your Kindle with free books from time to time. It's a good one to keep an eye on. Now, without further ado, I think it's time to bring forth the Socks of Destiny. That's right. And for those who haven't listened or played before, Exquisite Corpse works by combining words into a sentence that goes, describing word noun, action, describing word noun. Anyone can send me words on my play page at anatizard.com anonymously or with your name, whatever you like. And of course, as mentioned, there will be details near the end of this show about how you can play this hilarious game in person. Okay, let's get our first word, our first exquisite corpse of the day. It's from Edge O'Erin, plump. Okay, let's reach into the nouns sock. We have a word from Paul Thomas, herbalist. (laughs) Okay, we have a plump herbalist. Reaching into the action sock, we have a word or or phrase from Anonymous. Compiled an index of. Oh, that's an interesting action. Let's try for another describing word. This is from Edge O'Erin again. Gullible. Compiled an index of something that's gullible. What could it be? Final noun is from McConnell Erin. Lamppost. Okay, I'm going to read the entire exquisite corpse and see what we have here. The plump herbalist compiled an index of the gullible lamppost. Hmm. Okay, that doesn't quite make sense. It would have to be an index of lampposts, plural, or 
something that occurs inside or around lampposts, like, I don't know, electrical wiring inside them. But then why would, why would a herbalist, a plump herbalist, be interested in lampposts in that way? That is curious, that a, that a herbalist would consider lampposts gullible. That's downright peculiar, but I like it. So, you think you're a lamppost, do you? You think you can just light up the streets when all else is in darkness? <laughs> what does a lamppost have to do to be gullible? Having spent much of my childhood in Narnia, of course, I have certain associations with lampposts, magical associations. The iconic lamppost in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is the first geographical marker, I suppose, that Lucy sees when she enters through the wardrobe and where she meets the fawn, Mr Tumnus. Hmm. I quite like that this has come up on the Christmas show to make it Christmassy. But actually, I, I'm just thinking, what can we use from that? Um, and being a, a Narnian fan, um, I know the lamppost in Narnia, if you have read the first one in the series, which is The Magician's Nephew, which I have no idea why they haven't made a film out of that. That's really good. You'll know that the lamppost is actually alive and has grown from the ground, just like a tree. So could we use that? I think I need, I think I need some green tea at this stage, actually. Just give this a bit of a stir. Okay. Just thinking about this. I am starting to get an image in my mind. Someone creeping around the streets at night in a black cloak, whispering to lampposts to convince them to turn off at certain times. Maybe to allow crimes to be committed. It might be muggings. It might be murders. Someone walks down the street their heels clonking against the pavement. In the absolute darkness and apparent emptiness of the street, the footsteps move quicker. They stumble with nerves. Their heels catch on an uneven paving stone. But the lampposts are guardians of the street, guardians of the night. The paving stones wink with puddles, but only because the lights shine showing the way. Where you can step, where you can't. When the light suddenly flickers out, a puddle is invisible, a shadow within shadows. At one with the night, just like the cloaked figure who moves unseen, crosses the road, muffled in silence. The figure raises a hand, mutters something, and all lights go out. 
But what about the plump herbalist in all of this? She's the only one who understands these attacks. Somehow, she will use the power of plants and herbs to try and help the lampposts remember what they are. For maybe some of them have grown from the earth, just like plants. Plants are what she knows how to handle. But the drawback of these organic lampposts is that they can be persuaded towards light or dark, literally or metaphorically. And in this way, you might say they're rather gullible creatures. How very odd. I do like the idea of a city that's coming alive, or where there are parts of it that are alive, and you have to have special knowledge to understand which parts are living or dead, which parts are indifferent pieces of concrete or metal, or, or contain something that flickers with understanding and life. I'm intrigued. I might use this. Anyway, I think it is time for our next exquisite corpse. Okay, so our first describing word is from Paul Thomas again. Hidden. Mmm, I like hidden. So let's try for a noun. This is from me. I still have words lurking in the Socks of Destiny. Pavement. Oh, another street idea. Interesting. Let's just see what happens here. So let's get in the action. This is from Alessandro Pozzo. Eight, as in A-T-E. <laughs> we have a hungry pavement. Huh. This is getting really weird. Right, let's go for another describing word. This is from Ebenezer. Bamboozled. Okay. So that could mean someone who's been scammed or is just confused, I guess. Our final noun is from Elena Dennison. <laughs> accordionist. A bamboozled accordionist is eaten <laughs> by a hidden pavement. Wow, this is really weird, but I love it. It's, it is another street idea. Could, could we build a world based on these two exquisite corpses together? Negotiations with lampposts who may or may not be gullible. Pavements that are hidden from sight and hungry. Occasionally, they eat accordionists or other buskers who are foolish enough to, pe to play at certain street corners. Or, according to this game result, they have been bamboozled, tricked into believing that this is a safe corner of the street because the dangerous pavement is hidden. And in this world, it's well known that the city has certain dangerous parts where the pavement can open, open up and swallow you whole. You just have to know which parts to avoid. 
Maybe it's a case of not stepping on the cracks. That game we all played when we were kids? That wasn't just imagination. Oh no, that was a premonition of this world. (gasps) That's too good. I'm going to have to use that. But let's paint the scene. There haven't been any swallowings for months now. And never at this end of town. It's a cold, bristle day in December, but the sun is shining and there's a buzz of Christmas shopping. In the piazza, sprawling tables and chairs, uh, people sip tea and coffee and talk about the holidays they might take next year in hot places. The air is jovial and light, though it's cold enough for them to see their breaths and their laughter clouds in front of their faces. An accordionist nearby plays a light-hearted tune, threaded with snatches of Christmas melodies. There's a chink of coins as shoppers bundling past with their bags toss some change into her open case. But a shadow moves over the winter sun. A deep boom makes everyone gasp and glance around them. The ground trembles, shuddering through their tables and rattling cups and saucers. A teaspoon clatters to the pavement. A few cries escape as people jump up, gather their bags and hold their coats against them protectively. But where will they go? Where will they run if the pavement cracks beneath them? It's been so long since the hunger struck this city. The stories had begun to recede into myths. Silly tales that children exchange through holes and fences in the quieter reaches of the playground too. But no, it's real. The city stirs beneath their feet and a crack opens thicker than the width of a human being. The accordionist, where is she? Someone cries, pointing uselessly. All eyes flick to the wall against against which she'd stood. No one is there just a yawning gap like a concrete mouth in the pavement. Some people glance that way just in time to watch the open open case of her accordion slide backwards into the hole. Everyone who isn't screaming hears the chink of coins as they scatter into the abyss. It's the hidden pavement. It roves, it winds wherever it pleases. Who knows? what dark forces are at work in the soul of the city. Perhaps this is where we will see our plump herbalist again, collecting data on the secret city, tracking all the places, the hotspots where anomalies like this happen. So she's not just collating an index of gullible lampposts, lampposts who can't decide which side they're on, but moving pavements, hidden pathways that emerge and break out, buildings that whisper. She's putting together a secret map. This, this is what I love about Exquisite Corpse. It produces ideas I never would have come up with on my own. It challenges me to try out ideas that I'm often pretty uncertain about to start with, But then some things just sprout and begin a life of their own. 
including pavements and lampposts. I think I'm, I'm actually going to really do something with this one. I really do. But I might not, I might not talk about it on the show for some time because I'm quite private about the actual writing process until the story is ready to be shared. But watch this space. Time for one more? I think so. Right. By the way, if you can hear, if you can hear a lot of background noise. It is, it is quite windy today. So apologies for that. One day I'll have a studio. What do you reckon? Right, my first word is from Graciela Madrid. Breathtaking. Mmm, that's a good word. And then our first noun is from Ebenezer. Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Ooh, okay, this is going to get dark. Um, an action... Action is from Robin the Mail Lady. He sends me lots of words. Crept through the cemetery too. I don't believe it. That actually matches. That goes with a vampire slayer. Well, what do you know? Serendipity will happen sometimes in this game. So the next describing word is from Sarah Jean M. Decadent. Ooh, that's a good word. Finally, one last little noun is from Paul Thomas. Mirror. Ooh, so the whole exquisite corpse says the breathtaking vampire slayer crept through the cemetery to the decadent mirror. Wow, I'm getting Dorian Gray feelings. The idea of a, a person, decadent, morally, morally grey, by name as well as in nature, self-indulgent, which goes so well with a mirror. The idea of vanity or, or narcissism taken to the extremes. And the painting in Dorian Gray is in some sense a mirror too, capturing a part of himself. And here, there's a person that this vampire, seer, vampire slayer sees in herself when she goes to the mirror. Oh, and she's breathtaking, by the way, because the breathtaking vampire slayer crept through the cemetery to the decadent mirror. I can't believe how well this one works. And yet, what we have is a moment, a situation, a glimpse. The question is, what led to that moment? Actually, there's more than one question. What are the circumstances surrounding that moment? And what's going to happen next? As storytellers, that's our job. Let's cast wider. Let's use the exquisite corpse to cast wider. The mirror. Is it significant that vampires traditionally don't have reflections? And what's the reason for that? Is it the idea that they don't have a soul? I think that might be why. I'm not a vampire expert here. 
And here we have a vampire slayer who is maybe obsessed with a mirror and what she can see in it. Herself? Ah, what happens to her soul when she slays a vampire? What if she takes on, she absorbs into herself part of a vampire's soul when she kills them? Because maybe they're not without souls, not completely. She was wrong. Or maybe she doesn't care. Maybe she's the real monster here. The one who chooses to kill. The one who has a choice, whereas vampires can't help it. It's in their nature. She sees that decadence in the mirror and she's transfixed. But not in a good way. Do we have a spooky end to the Christmas show? She stalked across the cemetery, past the gravestones that poked up from the tussocky ground, upright, lopsided, abandoned or covered in flowers. So many souls resting. Or were they? What happened to the soul if there was such a thing when a person died? Sarah Cray, Cray to her friends and even her enemies, stumbled on. Her fingers clutched the piece of mirror in her jacket pocket. There'd better not be anyone sitting on the bench under that oak tree. She needed to look at it again, to see what she saw in the mirror last night. But it was 4am. Most people were at home in bed, if they had homes and beds, and if they were people. If they were vampires, good luck to them if she found one on that bench. She'd already slayed two that night and had a stake waiting in her pocket, ready if any more crossed her tonight. But it was empty. She sat down heavily on the bench, almost disappointed that there was no one and nothing to distract her. For now, she was here again with the shard of broken mirror she'd found in the clutches of the grey-faced bloodsucker she'd finished off last night. Cray was no longer sure she was ready to look into that mirror again. And why did it only show her all those faces here in the graveyard? At home and in the toilets of her office, it only showed her face, the bags under her eyes, the red rims of tiredness. Why was it only in the cemetery that her face shone back at her from the mirror with an eerie light, ghosted by so many other faces? She pulled it out again. It was all she could do not to scream. Breathless, heart racing, even though she sat motionless on a bench, she watched as yet another face layered itself over hers in the image of the glass. The vampire from last night sneered back at her. Ooh, that is rather creepy. But I get words like vampire slayer and I've got to go with it, people. I have no choice. Let's draw the line under this creepy moment with a short jingle so we can get back to being Christmassy. There, that's better. It's like drawing a curtain. The darkness is over there 
and we are here in the light thanks to the magic of my mandolin. Oh, and also the magic of Christmas <laughs> is on this side of the jingle. Anyway, it is time to talk about games and how you can play Exquisite Corpse in person with friends and family at home or wherever it is that you're having a get together by using a game sheet I've created along with an instruction sheet on how to play. And it's on my how and why page at anatizard.com. So if you just go to anatizard.com forward slash how. On that page, there is a brief article I've written about why you should play the game. Just scroll beneath that and you'll find two buttons, one for the instruction sheet and the other for the game sheet. They're both designed to be printed, so if you can get to a printer, that will be ideal. If you can't, you may still be able to muddle through by downloading and just reading the instruction sheet and maybe just having a look at the game sheet as well and seeing how it's laid out. Ultimately, you will need a minimum of five players and everyone needs a long, thin slip of paper, which you can cut from an A4 sheet of paper on landscape orientation. Just, just see the game sheet and see what I've done. So if you're unable to print the game slips, you can just make a note of the sequence, but you will likely need one person in the group who's happy to keep track of where everyone's sentences are and to guide everyone to write a particular type of word all at the same time so that you definitely all end up with sentences that go describing word, noun, action, describing word, noun. But if you can access a printer, the game slips are very handy because uh, they are each labelled with the different word entry types. So you have a visual guide to take you through each step of the game as you go. Very briefly, this is how it works. Each player has their own game slip and everyone writes the equivalent word type on their slip at the same time. So altogether, everyone writes a describing word in the beginning section. Then each player folds over the end of their slip just enough to cover up their word and they pass it on to the person on their left. So now everyone has a different slip in front of them with one word on it that they cannot see and strictly, there must be no peeking. Then each player writes a noun on the slip they now have. That's the second word. They fold over that slip again, just enough to cover up their word and pass it on to the person on their left. And so on and so on, until all five word entries are filled in on each slip, each word by a different person. And so everyone will have in front of them a slip of paper that's practically screwed up into a ball. It's just been folded so many times. I recommend taking turns to read out your Exquisite Corpse results and no unravelling of your result until it's your turn to read. You may add challenges like who can manage to read theirs without laughing or hesitating or stumbling over their words. Certainly, the not laughing part will likely become challenging along the way. There's just something about playing the game in person like this. 
uh, in a group that tends to make it very funny. And what's special about the game slips that I've developed and made freely available to yourself? Well, because I didn't invent the game, it was invented by the French Surrealists in 1925. So this is not a unique game, but the game slips I've created are just very handy, having the visual guide for each go, but also each section on every slip on that sheet of paper has different examples. So if you are playing with up to eight people, everyone on their first round of the game could simply choose one of the examples at each turn and there wouldn't be any repeats of words. You can just do that, just use the examples to get the hang of it uh, first time round, or you could use the examples to think up other examples through word association. So go to anatizard.com and visit the how and why page and download your game sheet and instruction sheet. I hope you have a chance to enjoy some rounds of Exquisite Corpse at home or wherever you're having a party. Have loads of fun. And if you come up with some really funny or inspiring or just intriguing Exquisite Corpse results, tell me about them. I've put a comments box underneath the download buttons uh, on the How and Why page to make this extra easy. And you never know, maybe I'll read them out in the New Year's show. With that, I wish you a very merry and relaxing Christmas as far as is practically possible for you. Um, recuperate if you can. And also, don't forget to check out fantasybookdragons.com on the 1st of January. Set yourself an alarm, for goodness sake. Go forth and be inspired. I hope you enjoyed today's brainstorium. You can find out more about Exquisite Corpse and my series, The Book of Exquisite Corpse, at anatizard.com. Subscribe to my e-newsletter and you'll get volume one for free. And while you're there, why not submit a few words to the Socks of Destiny on my play page? You may inspire me or inspire yourself to write a unique new story. See you next time.